Susie, thank you so much. Um, let's pray before we go further into 1 Timothy 6. Father, at the beginning of the Psalms, you hold out this promise. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Please help us as we meditate together on these few verses uh, from Paul's letter to Timothy. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, lovely. Please keep um, 1 Timothy 6 open, just a few verses. You'll be able to see them all um, at a glance, uh, but they'll be on the screen as, as we go. Um, what is life all about? What is life all about? Let me dispel a myth that exists that rugby players don't think deeply about life. Uh, one of my teammates posed a question to us after a game. Uh, he said, would you eat your own hand for a million pounds? Would you eat your own hand for a million pounds? Now, all of us, after some discussion, concluded that a million pounds was not enough money to get us to eat our own hand, but he countered by saying that we just didn't realize how much money a million pounds was. He reasoned that a million pounds was equivalent to about 30 years of his salary. And he said he could think of lots of things he could do with one less hand, but 30 more free years. So let me ask you, if I gave you a million pounds, and let's say I don't ask you to eat your own hands to receive it, what would you do with it? What would a million pounds enable you to do so that you could say at the end of it, now I'm really living? Now I have really taken a hold of life. That's where Paul ends us. Um, the outcome of his command to the rich in this present age. It's the second half of verse 19. Please see it with me. So that they may take hold of that which is truly life. That's what we're thinking about this morning. And now, happily, 2 Timothy has a very similar dynamic to 1 Timothy, which we were looking at. Uh, no, yeah, 1 Timothy has a similar dynamic to 2 Timothy. We were in 2 Timothy last term. So just to remind us, Paul, the apostle, is writing to Timothy, whom he sent to Ephesus to look after the church or churches in that region, um, which God has established there. And Paul is telling Timothy what his job is and what the church should look like. And so it's relatively easy for us today um, to get into that dynamic because the church is still the church, uh, the age is still the present age, and God is still God. So Paul's exhortation to Timothy and his confidence to Timothy are still the same for us. So this is pastoral advice about how we can live in this world and particularly how to live in this world if we're rich in this present age so that we might take hold of that which is truly life, so that we won't be sold a fake product. And Paul says there are two ways that we can go. So either, if you're rich in this present age, we can either live for this present age. Now, if we're rich, that will be really tempting because with riches come a level of freedom and power and security to some extent. And the thing is, if this age is all there is, 
well, then perhaps the best thing we could do would be to grab everything that we could with the riches that we've got and hold on to it for as long as we could. But Paul's warning is that is a hopeless way to live. That would be like buying a first-class ticket on the Titanic. The riches you have would buy you champagne, they'd buy you caviar, they'd buy you waiters and servants. But when the ship hits the iceberg, the, the economics change. Bits of paper, shiny rocks, they're useless on a sinking ship. And in this present age, we need something that can give us a future. So Paul is writing pastoral advice to Timothy for the church, warning us not to put our trust in the uncertainty of riches. That is a hopeless way to live. Paul is saying, don't be haughty just because you've got a lot of money. Don't be haughty just because you've succeeded at school or at business, as though by your own wisdom and your own skill you've made a success of your life, and if only other people had been as clever as you or as hardworking as you. Don't do that. Instead, Paul wants followers of Jesus to put their hope on God, who richly provides for us. Set your hope on something. To set your hope on something is to anchor your happiness and your security and your value in that thing. So, to take an example, if you need to jump out of an aeroplane, you're putting your hope in a parachute to get you safely to the ground. And as we walk through this complex, changing, beautiful, yet dangerous world, we need to set our hope on the only one who is wise enough and powerful enough and who completely understands it we need to set our hope on him who sustains the world and us according to his wisdom, love, and power. The person who sets their hope in the uncertainty of riches, they will never be happy. They will never be secure or at peace because they will always be wondering, do I have enough? Because deep down we know that riches cannot, cannot secure our future. And if we do set our hope on riches, then on the day when the well runs dry and we find that we cannot buy what we need with what we have, then we will end up being exposed and ashamed. But if we set our hope on God, then we've set, ourself, we've set our hope on someone who will never run out. As the evangelist John puts it in his gospel, out of God's fullness we have received grace upon grace. Um, a friend of mine's a boarding school chaplain. He constantly used this expression, we long to store up grace in the fridge. We long to be able to store it up somewhere where we can go to it and take it out when we need, when we're in control. But what God wants us to learn to do is to pray day after day, give us this day our daily bread. God wants us to learn to trust him day after day, day by day. He wants us to know that there will never come a day with him when he says, sorry, the bank is closed. We need to set our hopes on the God who richly provides, and then we need to start living like the God who richly provides. That is, as God gives to us, so we give to others. We don't live like reservoirs. Reservoirs store up and hold. We get to live like rivers. 
rivers connected to an irrepressible source. What God gives to us, we willingly, generously channel to others. So look with me at the second half of verse 17. Uh, Yeah, not set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to, to what? Everything to what? To use, to steward, to invest wisely. God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Wonderful. How do we enjoy life connected with God? I'm going to do a boring Greek note here. All these verbs, they're in the infinitive. So um, it comes out something like uh, everything to enjoy, to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, to be ready to share. And it's really striking how enjoy is the headline. We are walking in the enjoy road. And I think the ESV gets the sense of this really well. Um, It says, how do we enjoy this? Verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share. Um, That is, God knows the way that we enjoy the good things that he gives us. Not holding on to it ourselves, but by doing good, uh, being generous, ready to share, and so on. And we can do that because we're trusting God. That is liberating, trusting God to supply for us everything that we need. Now, the haughty rich who set their hope on their own riches, well, they've got no future to look forward to. Life for them is all about this present age, and that is they have no real life at all. But for the person who follows Jesus, they do have real life. They have a life waiting for them in the age to come, when Jesus will return, set up his perfect kingdom, and remake the earth and the heavens. That is the happy future that a person following Jesus has. And following Jesus means living according to the values of that perfect kingdom and future, while we walk with him in this present age now. And here's the wonderful thing that's born out of experience. The more we start living for that coming age, and the more we start making Jesus' values our values, and the more we allow ourselves to think of that kingdom as our home and this beautiful yet passing away world as, as, as life to enjoy but not to get settled in, then the more we'll discover that we really are taking hold of that which is truly life. And we discover the big secret that God is a generous God who loves to give. And he wants us to discover that love of giving ourselves. So what is life all about? We might not have a million pounds, but we do have two hands. Uh, Some of us may not be rich in this present age by any standard of wealth. But what can we hope to do with the good things that God has given us? I want to recommend to all of us that practice of thoughtful, regular giving. Uh, I know many of us here are already doing that. And I know that for some of us, um, regular giving month by month is not the most effective way to give. That's fine. Um, God says in 1 Timothy, we're to be generous to do good, but he gives us lots of freedom to determine what that looks like. So I just want to recommend this practice. I want to put on all of our minds that biblical habit of setting aside a proportion of our income 
and dedicating it to the Lord. Uh, I met a man a few years ago who would happily say that God has been very good to him. Uh, He's got a good job in the city of London. Uh, He has wealthy clients who value his skill and pay him well for his services. Uh, He's a Christian man. And he says that every year he wants to go away. He likes to go away with some Christian friends who are also rich in this present age. And they have a great holiday together. They enjoy one another's company and friendship. And on that holiday, they dedicate time together in prayer. And they ask each other, how are we going to use our money, which God has given us, for his glory and the good of others? And all of them are able to give a very high percentage of their income away because God has been very, very good to them. And they all want to do as much good as they can with what God has given them. Uh, So for those of us here who don't yet give regularly, maybe uh, you're still at school or at university and you want to develop that habit, I want to recommend that practice of planning how you will use the good things that God has given you. It might come from a student loan. It might come from your parents' pocket money. It all comes from God. And for all of us, let, us, you, let that planning exercise our faith. Let it force us to say, as we look at our bank statements and our income, I am not setting my hope in this. Not on this, but on God who richly supplies all of this. And for those of us who have planned our giving and have perhaps set up standing orders or marked out times of the year to give away a percentage of what God has given us, can I ask us to use this giving review this month of February with the the, um, booklets that have been sent out as an opportunity to evaluate our giving and the faith behind that giving? Uh, For many of us, the cost of living crisis is forcing us to cut down or cut out things that we've previously enjoyed. And perhaps all of us are now more aware than ever of the uncertainty of riches. Uh, Whether we feel rich or poor, let Paul, let's let Paul exhort us to set our hope on God who richly supplies all that we need to enjoy, to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and to be ready to share. And there are a lot of good works that are made possible by our giving to JPC, and we've heard about one already. I want to mention it again. CAP, Christians Against Poverty. Um, They provide support for people who are in debt. They run a number of free, practical money management courses through partner churches like JPC all around the country. And if you or someone you know would benefit from their advice, then please get in touch with the church by email. Um, There are um, some of these brochures at the back of church uh, by the welcome desk. Um, or you can speak to someone on the church staff about that. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, Matt Elder preached from Romans 5 about how suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hopes. And we know that these past few years have been hard. Now, the Bible nowhere says that suffering in itself is a good thing, and wonderfully, we know that suffering won't be a feature of Jesus' kingdom in the world to come, thank God. Um, But the Bible does say in many, many places that God is wise enough and powerful enough to bring good out of suffering. Uh, One example is um, in Psalm 119, verse 71. The psalmist is able to write, it was good 
for me to be afflicted, uh, that I might learn your decrees. As we finish, wouldn't it be amazing if we could look back at the trials of the past few months and years and say that amid all the pressures and uncertainties, the Lord grew our faith as his people. To be able to say he released us from being enslaved to the uncertainty of riches and strengthened our trust in him to richly provide for us. Uh, wouldn't it be amazing if, as we grew in trust of God, we also grew in likeness of God together as his people, to be full of generosity and full of happy good works? So can I finish by asking us to set aside time this month to evaluate our giving as an act of faith and think about how we can take practical steps to set our trust on God who richly provides so that we might grow in likeness of God, who richly provides. Um, let me close us with a prayer, and uh, then I think we're going to sing. We are going to sing. Lovely. Uh, Father, we remember that parable Jesus taught about the farmer who sowed seeds, and, and some of that seed uh, fell among thorns. Um, the pleasures of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choked up the word so that it didn't bear fruit. But the seed that landed on good soil produced a crop a hundred times what was sown. Father, we pray, please make our hearts this morning like that good soil, particularly in the area of money and the riches that you've given us. Please don't let it choke out the word that's been sown this morning. And Father, we, we look forward with faith um, if we accept this word, to bear fruit a hundred times what was sown. In Jesus' name, amen.